I suspect that many of us might be able to quote the opening lines of the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most beloved pieces in all of Scripture and the most familiar. Um, Many of us know the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 24, which we heard just now, may not be so well known. But I think I would argue that it is as equally profound and important to our faith as Psalm 23. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and those who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and all in it. The world and all people belong to God. That's the message. Those words uh, strike me as deeply personal and pertinent lately. In my own life, in my family life, among our community and more, the big C, cancer, seems to be lurking everywhere. Cancer has a way of turning life upside down. Cancer has a way of altering the way we see ourselves, the way we see our present, the way we see our future, the way we see everything. Many of you know all about this. Several close loved ones in our family find themselves now reading daily medical pages on the web, assessing and making decisions about prognoses and diagnoses. We have, it seems, uh, daily phone calls or regular texts or emails about uh, the recent doctor visit or some treatment plan or scheduled surgeries or something else. And this is in regard to my brother, and this is in regard to Ginger's sister, this is in regard to a cousin, this is in regard to another loved one. And then Ginger has another close relative who's literally in the final hours of his life. uh, And he's Ginger's age, fighting a long battle with cancer. I've also spent a good many hours this week with some of you in this community who are dealing with similar things. Worn out by treatment plans, depleted in your strength and in your mind and heart by the regimen of therapy or chemo, all because of cancer. We, when we find ourselves in the midst of these challenges, we also find ourselves asking hard questions and thinking and praying. Thinking about life, thinking about faith, thinking about death, thinking about children and future and critical things. This is such a very privileged part of my life as a pastor, and it's also uh, very challenging. Cancer tends to alter so much about us, always. We ask questions. We raise doubts. We want to know what's going to happen. Where's God? How can we trust? How can we carry on? So the opening words of Psalm 24 are especially pertinent and helpful. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and 
all who live in it belong to God. No matter what happens to us in life or to our loved ones, that's the promise. We belong to God. The world and those who live in it belong to God. I need to hear that today. Maybe you do too. From the earliest pages of the Bible, we learn some very important things. We learn that life is a gift. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, The Lord formed God, the Lord God formed man, sorry, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This is a poetic way of affirming that life comes from God. From nowhere else, it comes from God. We live because God gives us life, breath into our lives. Life is holy. Life is precious. This is the common ground for Judaism and Christianity and Islam. We have evolved through the millennia, but life and breath come from God. We belong to God, the world, and those who live in it. And then the last pages of the Bible also hold a very important promise. Life is not simply vanity. It doesn't just fly away. Life is not without purpose and a future. Life is always enfolded into God. Just as God gives us life, life always leads to God. Our lives are God's own. Our future is God's own. All things, by the grace of God, are moving toward the promised reign of God when everything leads to a new heaven and a new, new earth where there'll be no more pain and no more tears and no more sorrow and no more suffering. When the light chases away the darkness, when life is enfolded fully into the beauty and the bounty of God's presence when all things will be well and all manner of things will be well. That's the promise. This faith, this theological thinking, this framework for our lives intend to shape us and sustain us. It's the basic gospel. It's the bedrock of our living and our dying. The world and those who live in it belong to God who, who breathe life into us who knows us, who goes with us every step of the way, and who holds us forever. The promise of the gospel. This becomes really important when we're dealing with cancer all around us. This becomes really important when life can feel kind of fragile. And the sense of fragility only increases with the things that swirl around us, political conversations and turmoil, worries about nuclear threat, continuing wars, issues in our city, all the other things that can discourage us and beat us down. The words become, the promises become, the gospel becomes, critically important for our lives. So this faith and this theological 
thinking and this framework for living is actually also what Paul speaks to in the letter to the Romans. The first few chapters in the letter to the Romans, Paul states what's wrong with the world. We've been given life, we've been given gifts, we've been given faith and blessings, and we're often preoccupied, distracted, involved in too many other things. In fact, we often make a mess of the life that God gives us. Instead of seeing life as a gift and grateful, breathed on by God and full of God's presence, we live to ourselves and do what we think is best instead of trusting God and living for God. That's what the first part of Romans is about. And then there's a whole section in the middle part of Romans where Paul explains what God does with this mess. God offers Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the gospel. In his life and death and resurrection, we find our way and we have a purpose toward the reign of God. God comes among us in Jesus. God meets us in the mess and God saves us. God shows us the truth. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. Then the concluding chapters of Romans, beginning basically with chapter 12, convey what this must mean for our lives. How do we live? What should we do? How should we respond? So listen to these words from chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. This is the word of the Lord. In the midst of a world that belongs to God, in the midst of lives that are held forever by the Lord our God, we're to live a certain way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to God. That means we are to think with sober judgment, each according to the faith that God has given us, and we're to use our various gifts for goodness in the world. And we all have been given various gifts and abilities. And then finally it says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. These things go together. 
who we belong to, and how we're called to live. They go together. No matter the worries, no matter the circumstances of our lives, we're called to stay focused on the absolute core values of our faith. The sanctity of life that comes as a gift from God. The dignity of individuals. The twin imperatives of justice and compassion. The concern for those who have less. The love of neighbor and stranger. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. See, we belong to God. We keep striving to love. These things go together. Can a chicken nugget save the world? That's the question that starts an award-winning speech at the World Championships of Toastmasters International. Can a chicken nugget change the world? Simon Scriver from England talks about how when he was in his first job working at McDonald's, he did all the small jobs really well, so they promoted him to the chicken station when he was 16 years old. At the chicken station, his job was to put six chicken nuggets into a box and pass them to the servers. What I used to do, Simon says, was put seven nuggets in each box. Seven nuggets. And then I would stand at my chicken station and watch people eat the nuggets. They would have one nugget, then they would have another, and then around the third nugget they would realize they had been given an extra nugget in their box. And they would look around, a little bit curious. And they would realize this is their lucky day. The big guy, Ronald McDonald, was smiling down on them. Grace had touched their lives. And they thought on this good day, this was the day that they would have to do something about it. They would have to go and start that business that they'd been thinking about. They'd have to go and make that marriage proposal that had been on their minds. They had been called to do something wonderful. Do something wonderful. The speech is funny. But the main point and the reason the speech received the award is this. Small gestures make a big difference in the world. And Simon Scriver goes on talking about real-life moments in his own life and in others where he knows that small gestures help so much. A kind word, a loving gesture, an extended hand, goodness instead of selfishness, generosity instead of greed, thoughtfulness. His point is, we all have an extra nugget of love that we can offer in every single moment of life. We all have an extra nugget of kindness 
that we can all give, all of us, always. Because see, because we belong to God, Psalm 24, Paul says, do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Small gestures. Nuggets of love can indeed change the world. Several times this fall, I've mentioned Jonathan Sachs. Jonathan Sachs is one of my favorite writers, wonderful Jewish theologian from the United Kingdom. Sachs keeps saying in many of his books, what the world needs really is reciprocal altruism. Reciprocal altruism looks like this. If you seek respect, you must give it. If you ask for tolerance, you must demonstrate tolerance. If you wish not to be offended, then you must make sure you do not offend. Perhaps this reciprocal altruism is how we approach our Thanksgiving meal with maybe those those members that we may not agree with members of our family that we're nervous about getting together and what kind of conversation is going to happen keep in mind reciprocal altruism no mind was ever changed by harshness and hate no soul was ever saved by harshness and hate no truth was ever proved by rudeness or aggression or violence no redemption was ever brought by anger or holy war. No religion won the admiration of the world by its capacity to inflict suffering. Reciprocal altruism is trying to change things. All life belongs to God and we know how we are to live. No matter what we're dealing with, what we're worried about, let love be genuine. Hold fast to good. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer because we belong to God. We trust in God. We seek to serve God. These things go together. They go together. If you're looking for a good movie to go see this Thanksgiving week, go see Wonder. It's based on a true story about a fifth grader who was born with massive facial deformities. Up until the fifth grade, his parents had kept him home and homeschooled him. But with the fifth grade, the parents decide that he should go to school and be with others. And this would be a major, major step for everybody involved. The movie is about what happens to the boy as he goes to school and encounters all of his schoolmates with his facial deformities, and kids can be tough. But the movie is also about what happens to everyone else. The movie reminds us that everyone is on a journey. Everybody has difficulty and challenge, some less difficult than others. But it's in how we engage one another. Do the things that come our way bring out the best in us or the worst? Are there things that we can do that lift the hearts of others 
Augie Pullman, the boy with the facial deformities, lifted so many people's hearts by how he handled himself and the challenges. Do the circumstances and the challenges of our lives make us bitter or better? Are we seeking always to grow in grace and kindness? This is the call of faith. See, we all have our challenges and we all have the promise of the gospel and the calling from God. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. Let love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. These things go together. May it be so. Today, tomorrow, forever. Amen. Let us pray. Empower us, O God, with a fresh sense of your abiding presence and promises such that we know you are making all things new. And empower us, O God, with a new devotion to trust you and serve you, following Christ our Lord. Amen.